and that that teacher has that youth and adult partnership and that teacher can sit there and go hey did you know that there'll be an average of seven people hop on that man's tractor and you just saved their life welcome to al pellets tips for ag teachers podcast we are your agricultural education resource across the web sharing research-based tips and tackling the tough questions facing agriculture teachers every day. The Owl Pellets crew is Kate Shoulders, Marshall Baker, Mike Retallick, and Brian Myers. Preston Bird and Stacy Vincent, welcome to Owl Pellets. Woo-hoo! <laughs> I love the enthusiasm. The delay. It was, I, 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 might, I might edit out that delay a little bit. That make it, it sounds more realistic. I'm really excited about it. So that was the Preston, most excited anyone has sounded to join us on Owl Pellets. Exactly. I, I don't know if it's, it, it seems like it's a double entendre for Owl Pellets. Is it actually an owl or is it the advisor's pellets? I'm still trying to figure it all out. You know, you and everybody else, every once in a while we do, like we went to NAAE one year and did a, a session there and we started talking about what we were doing and like five minutes in one person stood up and was like, I'm sorry, I thought this was something else and left. (laughs) (laughs) Our goal is to share practical tips from research. So we take research in, we repackage it, which is what you guys are helping us doing. And then we kind of regurgitate it out to people who could use it. And so you guys get to be part of that pelleting process today. Outstanding. We, yeah, it's awesome. So, so Preston, Stacy, tell us a little bit about yourselves and then go in and tell us a little bit about what we're going to be talking about. Okay. Well, um, I'm Preston Bird, and right now I'm at Clemson University and looking at going to West Virginia University here later this summer. But uh, I've basically been high school teacher in the college, and my big folks have been agricultural mechanics and passing those uh, type of skills on to our pre-service teachers so they can successful in the classroom. Stacy? Yeah, thanks Preston. Uh, Stacy Vincent uh, at the University of Kentucky. I grew up in, in Kentucky um, in a small little community called Pig, population of about 50, and um, actually still help um, manage my family's farm there, and uh, went to school with, uh, there with Okay, shoulders at Murray State University. Go racers. Go racers. And uh, then went on and also have a master's degree from there. And um, then went and received another master's degree. This is difficult for me to say at the University of Kentucky, but at the University of Louisville. Um, can we delete that from this? That. And <laughs> and uh, and then uh, finish my PhD at the University of Missouri. Fantastic. Well, well, thank you for being here. We won't charge you any for that extra therapy, let you talk that out. That's all, that's all good to, to, to do that. So Preston, why don't you give us kind of the nutshell of, about what we're going to be talking about and what you and uh, Stacy and the rest of your crew did. Okay. Well, with this little project, we've actually took an industry-based standard, um, which is a blueprint from NIOSH, and we wanted to see if high school students can actually perform up to that standard. Um, so we had three different states that participated, brought teachers in, uh, kind of trained them on the process curriculum, and actually had them actually create uh, the, the 
crops project and then allow them to integrate that into their program that following year. And then on my side, I went back in after the projects were completed to uh, inspect the projects to see how well is that able to perform up to the industry standard. So to, to, can I add to that? Yeah. yeah. So um, this is part of an NIH grant that, that I, that I'm fortunate enough to have. And we are, um, and I, I don't know if I can completely get NIH correct. So those of you that may be listening that have no idea what NIH is, don't worry, you're, you're within good hands, me neither. So, um, but it's through um, uh, NIOSH and some of the ag mechanics teachers may know this, which is the National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health. And we're working with uh, high school ag programs throughout the Mississippi Delta and the Appalachia region. And no one can see my hands, but I'm actually looking at them in an invisible map right now. And um, we're, well so drawn, cool. by the way, well drawn. I, I yes, appreciate thank that. you, thank yeah. you. Um, it's eleven <laughs> states uh, that are involved. Eleven high school, uh, uh, eleven high schools each year. It's a five-year grant. And um, 11 high school ag mechanics teachers, they all join us in a sort of centralized location that they can bring their families to. Um, and we try to make it in a place that people would want to come to. So we choose beautiful Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. And uh, we, we uh, are at Dollywood and we do three days of training. We go completely step by step through every bit of our curriculum where we're actually focusing on the Appalachia region and the Mississippi Delta, whether you all know this or not, have the highest teenage fatality in tractor rollovers. Well, wow. teenage fatalities associated with tractors, those are ag kids. Those are ag ed kids. And, um, and so this grant is actually a curriculum. It, the purpose is to actually help change the behavioral intentions of kids uh, in a concept called the apprenticeship of observation, which we all go through. Um, and it is saying that I've seen it done a million times that I know what I'm doing. And, you know, Kate, you probably don't have any of those Arkansas Ag Ed students that think that way when they come in as freshmen. Oh, for sure, they're experts. They're experts. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, they've seen other people do it. So therefore, just hand me my degree. I know how I'm gonna do my program. And, and so we see the same thing in driving tractors. They want to do it the exact same way that mom and dad and grandfather did, and it leads to fatalities. And so we're actually just trying to change the mindset. So as a result, there are, are four different processes, and one of them is the teacher has to go through the entire curriculum. Uh, we look for what's called a youth and adult partnership, at which ag teachers are great at of creating this partnership. We look at a community youth partnership, similar to what maybe all of us have experienced if we've ever built a house for Habitat for Humanity. Yeah. And, and we're looking for the, the community to engage with the, the students as well. And then there's experiential education. So the students, after at the completion of the curriculum, they actually build um, uh, a ROPS, a rollover protective bra that's been approved by NIOSH. And they choose two farmers in their community to install those on. And they get and the farmer gets a free ROPS. We pay for the ROPS. We pay the school for all their materials. And they get a tractor seat, seat belt, and the rollover bar. And uh, pre in, in order for the schools to 
you know, be away from liability. That's where Preston comes in. And we're saying, look, uh, we can talk industry standards, but are we, what do we do if we're actually evaluated based upon true industry standards? And so we take this standard set by the National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health before it's ever installed on the tractor, Preston comes in and meet checks to see if every single spec is met. And um, although Preston was, uh, um, there at one time our relationship was a little shaky because I bought him this uh, ultrasound machine um, and sent him to Pennsylvania for a training mm -hmm. on where it was just him and people who were evaluating bridges. Um, and so he actually goes in, takes the lubrication, the little stuff they put on your belly, and he puts it on the welds and he inspects all of the things with this ultrasound machine. It's about a $3,000 machine that he drives around all over the country in. So we randomly selected three for this study, that is. That's pretty awesome. So um, I'm curious, before we, I get into so many questions that I have about like, the actual ultrasound machine and how that works and like do you ever do pit stops for cattle or anything but in the meantime um what did you find do you ever have anywhere they don't meet specs or what do you do yeah. when they don't and how many how many did you find do well through the uh the data we got for this study the majority of everybody in their projects uh passed um there are always a few pieces and wells like that that don't meet specifications and our inspection sheet that I've created and used uh, basically evaluates them like placement of holes, drilled holes, length of pieces and stuff to see how close they are to the specification. So are they spot on? Are they a sixteenth off? All the way up to a quarter inch off. Um, and doing it this first that first year of data collection we found anything within the, an eighth of an inch off actually works and fits and anything above that uh, three sixteenths and above we actually have the uh, the students and the programs refabricate in order to uh, create something that's within specifications. So um, for the most part, the areas that we've seen a lot of problems with fabrication has been the axle mountain brackets. And if you ever see the plans, those are the ones that have the most holes and the most different types of cuts you got you have on a piece. All the other ones are fairly simple. Uh, some have upper to maybe four holes to be drilled. And the nice thing about these plans from NIOSH are that this ROPS gets bolted together. So when I'm looking at the welds, there's only four welds I have to evaluate. And they're not typically what you would think of as structural welds or there to help hold the upright piece of the ROPS in place in case uh, of a rollover. Um, but they still get inspected uh, visually and ultrasound uh, wise and everything else. But all those pieces that don't meet specifications have to be remade, welds have to be reground, ground out, and redone and reinspected. So I know it wasn't necessarily part of this one, and it reminded me when I was reading this stuff, it was like, can you follow instructions and actually drill the hole in the right spot? But I know there's more than to that. But with the schools that were doing these, how did how was that that partnership when they when they actually took these ROPs out to the to the community members and and used that? Did that were they that I help to get them excited about doing something like this rather than, oh my gosh, we got to go do this safety stuff. Because again, I grew up on a farm in the Midwest and years and years ago, I hate to say this, the first thing we did, if we did buy a new tractor, someone bought a new tractor was take the ROPS off. That was like step one. So I'm not saying we're proud of that, 
I know. I'm not saying we did it. I say I know a guy who did that. <laughs> that was no. part of the packaging. You had to take it off. <laughs> we, yeah. we have, we've no. What's interesting is this is about our sixth year on this project, and we're noticing as we continue to, um, as we have this three-day professional development in in July, and Preston can come in and he can bring photos, um, and also he can show where he has um, sort of captured the photo of what it looked like on uh, when he was doing these testings. And we're able to um, help the teachers eliminate some of those issues before they ever go into the curriculum. And what we're noticing is the longer that we go into this, the better the product is coming out. Now to go back to what you were asking, Dr. Myers, it's amazing. We're actually seeing the same kind of responses because we take, uh, there's a pre and post questionnaires, but then there's a qualitative piece we do at the end uh, where we interview the farm kids and the non-farm kids. And there's a whole reason for that dynamic. What we're hearing out of the farm kids is not a complete change in apprenticeship of observation, but it's a really cool change in behavioral intentions. It actually sounds like the early 90s when there was a, we're hearing kids say, well, I'm not gonna, I can't stop myself from driving that tractor if dad tells me to, but I can promise you my kids won't. Well, that's a powerful statement. That's a huge statement. And, and it only happens, and, and Preston can state this too, it only happens if the teacher thoroughly follows our entire curriculum. And, mm -hmm. and the ones that are saying that are the ones that truly met that farmer that they were installing that tractor on. And that, that teacher has that youth and adult partnership. And that teacher can sit there and go, hey, did you know that there'll be an average of seven people hop on that man's tractor and you just saved their life. And those kids are like, what? Like, as if, you know, they were Superman. They, they really had the opportunity to save a, an entire family's life. And that is a, so no, they come out of that shop. Like when Preston shows up, the whole class wants to see yeah. if they met those inspections. So as you, as you think about this project and what you found so far, what, what are some take-home messages that you'd share with uh, ag teachers across the country, whether they're part of the program or not? Well, some of the big things that we've, we've seen with this is our secondary students can perform up to industry standards, um, but it's all up to the teacher to uh, help them to be successful. Uh, kind of like Stacy was saying, if they follow the curriculum, we see those uh, changes within our students with their behaviors. And same kind of goes forward into the, the fabrication side of things as well. It's one of the things we've been kind of looking into is how the teachers to divide up their students to actually go through the fabrication process. Um, we've seen some that's really good, been out of Missouri. He had a team leader and then the team leader was in charge of three or four other students. They went and talked to the, the farmer and made all the specifications and stuff and actually worked through the whole fabrication process as a team. Uh, and they had safety, uh, safety checks, quality checks and everything throughout the process. Other programs we've seen, uh, the teacher just take his two or three best, uh, say, good old boys in the shop, and they build the, the whole rocks. Um, and that's where we kind of see where all these students don't get the whole benefit going through the whole process of going through the curriculum, learning the, the safety aspects, but they're losing that uh, 
that connection with the community members are going back on the tractors. So I think uh, besides looking at how we go into the classroom and how they go into the fabrication shop and stuff like that, uh, that's the two of the big takeaways that I know of uh, that we've shared. Uh, I know Stacy might have one or two more there. Well, I also say when they do that inspection, no, Preston has yet to have anybody say, hey, can you check and see if my, you know, if my cow is, is in heat or anything. It's not happened yet, but uh, he yeah. could do that. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Um, I will, yeah, I think that longitudinally, I think if I was given a recommendation, which Dr. Dr. Vitalik, you were asking about teachers. If I'm, if I'm making a recommendation to our colleagues, it would be that we need to really consider long-term evaluation of our curriculum that we're writing and handing out to teachers because the modifications that we've made over this time span has been beautiful. And I really mm -hmm. think that we have a curriculum that if the teacher follows as it was written, you not only have a quality uh, curriculum that aligns with a lot of content standards, but you also are teaching a curriculum that is changing behavioral intentions in youth, which is really, really cool. Sorry about that, Kate. I think you were right. No, 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 no. Um, I, I had raised my hand earlier just because I wanted to make sure that I didn't forget this, this piece. It really <laughs> sounds like what you all are doing is high quality service learning, which is what we mm -hmm. see um, in the research that you know, just that aspect of having whatever you're doing in class be a direct service to community really changes the impact for students. So like, for example, I've got a, a friend colleague of mine. Um, she does work in um, intercultural competence and she taught a class the same way twice. The only difference was that one class did some service learning within the community and the other didn't. And um, the difference in intercultural, she had training for these students on intercultural competence. The training didn't matter if they didn't have the service learning in the community. And that's really what made this massive difference in their intercultural competence. So it sounds like really that's the same thing that made the difference for your all students is making sure it's got that high quality service learning piece. It really has to have all of the pieces. Like the teacher really has to have a good working relationship with those kids that, that they are willing to let those kids fail because we provide them extra metal so if a kid messes up, it's okay. It's part of the experiential learning process. And, and that they are able to say, don't go over there and drill holes, but okay, where do you think the hole should be? And they're able to have those kind of cool conversations. That, that's pivotal too. And it's the ag teacher making the phone call to the uh, first responders saying, can you come and talk to my class about a time when you've arrived at a place where there was a tractor rollover and yeah. man, those kids are, are, are sold on, this is serious business, which is really cool. But yeah. it goes back to off of my students. That's, I feel like that's uh, the first responder presentation is always like, can you scare the bejesus out of all my kids <laughs> for a little while? That'd be that's, great. It's almost like those old school school bus driving videos, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, if you could be missing some fingers or even an arm, that would be really awesome. You know what, I think we'll do that next year. We'll make all the teachers learn how to tape their finger back so they show up, <laughs> this is what happened, come in with a limp. Um, yeah. the, uh, but, but if you think about Habitat for Humanity, 
the coolest thing about Habitat for Humanity is not building the house. It's meeting the family that you're building it for. It's key. You've got to know who you're building. It's not, it can't be a, an anonymous, nebulous person. You've got to know who it's going to, where you can think about them through it. Yeah. And what we've noticed in every county we have been in, every single school can name at least one, one person in the community that has died to a tractor rollover. And sometimes we've shown up, Preston can vouch for this, we've shown up and it's been a kid's parent in that room. Um, and, and all of these schools are in schools that have a high um, free and reduced lunch rate. So they're, they're already poverty stricken schools. And, and people who have these kind of tractors are poor farmers too. And, and so the service that they're providing, I think you hit it on the key. When they get to meet that farmer and they go, oh, we're actually putting it on. I know that guy. I've seen that guy at the hardware store or something. Mm -hmm. it, it really starts resonating. We're noticing where they're having their FFA banquet and they're presenting mm -hmm. the tractor with the ROPS to the farmer at the FFA banquet, which is, so, is cool. so cool. And for them to later, you know, after the fact, be driving around their communities and see them out in the field and say, I'm working on, on making that tractor right there safer for that guy right there, you know, or after the fact and being mm -hmm. like, see that there, I did that. That's awesome. Well, we, have an, we have an app and all the kids have it on their phones and we can track what they're doing and they'll be talking to each other. Like they talk to the kid at, in, in West Virginia and they're, they're posting pictures where they're riding in a school bus and they're taking a picture of a tractor without a ROPS down the road. Well, that is actually behavioral intent yeah. a change because they're taking their own time out of their own mm -hmm. schedule to use their own device to take something that they go, I've, I've ridden by that every single day and never paid attention to it. And now I have, and they're posting it out there for schools in 10 different States to be sitting there. We're looking at. Yeah. It, it also changes that social norm. Right. So it changes yeah. what, um, what is cool. So like Brian, you were saying a while ago that the first thing you do is take it off. And that's, if you are the person who doesn't, you're super uncool. Suddenly you're the uncool farmer, but mm -hmm. if it's changing that social norm overall, where suddenly it's the cool thing to be installing these ROPs. Yeah. And that's kind of what we've seen in some of the schools. We've actually had some of the high school students refuse to use the school equipment until they put seat belts and ROPs on them. So that's, awesome. that's kind of neat. Well, the other thing I, I don't want to get lost in this because I think the service learning component again is so key that you're talking about. But something yeah. that I think it was Stacy that said very, very quickly in passing that I don't want to lose from from a lab instruction piece was that you all provide them extra supplies, extra metal, extra things in case there was a mistake made. Almost setting up knowing it's going to be that way. And yes. I know it's tough with budgets out there, and and I and I know that teachers are trying to to scrape by with all the supplies they have, and it's really like. How do I have extra metal or, or wood for projects or extra plants that I can let kids kind of experiment with? Mm -hmm. But I think that is so key, having that mindset that it is a learning laboratory. It's mm -hmm. not a fabrication shop where you're trying to be as efficient as you possibly can going out there. And I think you guys, this is really exciting because it's so powerful. You have, you've really harnessed true laboratory instruction with mm -hmm. the service learning part to really build these kind of things together to, to make those things happen. So I, I, I think that's cool. If you guys are seeing the same thing from your experiences as well with the, the lab equipment thing. I think, I think to add to that. Yeah, we've um, seen it. 
Go ahead, Preston. No, so, like we've seen that through most of the projects and the programs that we've seen. Um, one of the nice things working with the industry and stuff like that helps. Um, and also, like when ordering of the metal through your distributors and stuff like that, it's, also, it's always cheaper to buy in bulk than it is the little pieces that you need. So one of the cool things, the welded piece, uh, you only need like six inches for the final pro project, but it's cheaper to buy like a 10 foot section of it. And then you can allow the, the whole class to go through and weld a piece and see which one's the best one to put on the project. So it, it gets everybody in the classroom uh, to be part of the project and you know, try their skills out to be part of it as well. And I think Pre Preston hit on, on the nose there exactly the point I was going to make that I heard earlier that I think needs to be re reinforced with the service learning piece is it's not about the, the, the end product of the ROPs that we're manufacturing a bunch of ROPs. It's about the process and the change of behavior and the engagement of those students going through the entire uh, process, which I think is important. Because before you talked a little bit about, okay, there's a small group that went to the shop and did all the welding and the rest of the students. Well, that kind of defeats the purpose of the learning and the behavioral pieces that are associated with it. So I think that's an important piece. Agreed. Yeah. Very true. Well, Preston and Stacy, thank you guys so much for being with us today. This has been a phenomenal conversation. I hope folks take a look at all the different resources that are going to be shared about this. Also continue to look about that project. I know it's a big project you all, all got going on and look forward to the rest of the stuff that you guys can share with us. All right. Thanks for having us. Glad to be here. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Owl Pellets. Please visit our website for more information on this topic and to learn more about all of our guests. Socialize with us by following Owl Pellets on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. You can join the conversation by adding your thoughts in the comments and sharing the podcast with others. So for Kate, Marshall, and Mike, this is Brian here by the Owl Pellet saying thank you and we'll look forward to seeing you again on another episode of Owl Pellets, Tips for Ag Teachers.